Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, July 18th, 2017. That's Ian Ferguson. Hello. I'm Pat Contry. It's sometimes necessary, maybe, but often not. It's our CU podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. Ian, what's been going on in your world? Oh, but first, we're going to talk about the Atari box during this podcast, the Castlevania Netflix show, uh, bootleg NES Classic Editions. Are we losing a whole generation of young men to video games? Uh, Q&A, and then Ian looking at me dumbfounded. Ian, what's been going on in your world? It's hot, and it's... I got the fan on. It's June. It's July. It's July. It's the middle of the summer. It's like literally the middle of the summer. Summer, yeah. The dog days, as I say. Comic-Con's coming up. Yeah. In a few days. You excited? Um, Honestly, if I go more than one day, I'll be surprised. Um, just because of, uh, I'm still dealing with the, uh, the abdominal stuff, but I am definitely going to go with Vani. Um, I'm always excited for Comic-Con, but after, you know, nine, ten years of it, I feel like... Yeah. E- e- this will be I- my tenth, I went first one was 2008, this will be my tenth one. I, I love Comic-Con, but what I used to love was exploring and finding new stuff, and after ten years, there's, there's so little new stuff to find. I think I think uh, the breaking point was when I was walking around with Andre last year, and I just said, "Look at all this crap." And I was like, "Look at all this shit that's going to be in landfills in ten years." Like all this shit people are walking around with and buying, and it's sort of, not that it clicked with me that the whole consumerism part of it that it's become. Yeah, because always comic books buying comic books. There's always that side of it, but that's like the main thrust of it now is what fucking trinkets are exclusive at Comic Con. Like, what can you buy there? Well- for me, I don't do a lot of... I don't do any panels, really. So what I like to do is I like to hit up Fantagraphic Books. I like to hit up 2000 AD. Um, I like to hit up the Peanuts booth. But, like, I do all that in a day now. You know, I I, I do all it. my yeah. buying. And, and then, you know, a lot of my friends don't come down anymore. So for me, I can really do my shopping in a day. And I can do the day that I like... My favorite day, the day that I get to walk around with Vani. And this year, we'll be walking around with my... Uh, with our friend Sunday, who's um, dressing up as uh, Uncle Death from um, the video game uh, Let It Die. Oh, um, I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds. Uh, so it's it's Death, but um, his his scythe is a golf club. It's a very funny game. Oh, uh, but anyways, so that'll be fun. But uh, honestly, I, I may just I got the days off. I may just take the time off and and relax. What? what yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Everyone needs to relax every now and then. I, I mean, I get, I get my professional pass so I can go all four days. I don't see myself go more than two. I think that's <laughs> maximum. I'm definitely doing. going Friday because I'm also going to the Zelda Symphony at night. Cool. I won't get into how much fucking Ticketmaster charges on their extra fees. I was like, holy shit, 35 bucks? 
I won't get into it. 35 bucks in extra fees. Eat my ass, Ticketmaster. Whole ass? Yeah, whole ass. Um, Eat my ass after I did yoga. So, <laughs> so maybe Thursday, definitely Friday for Vani. Saturday, I'm... I'm, I'm Friday and Saturday, I'm going to do. Um, Saturday, I'm, I'm working f- uh, at for for um, one of my coworkers and then uh sunday i'm skipping it entirely to go see nine inch nails oh okay. um and then sure. so well i'm disappointed i usually sunday was a traditional frank day no matter what frank would usually go two days he'd do like a saturday and sunday or friday and sunday because sunday's when like a lot of the ch- 60s beat up comics are like oh a dollar each yeah. and a, the sloppy stacks as we call them you know there's still like three rows of comics at comic-con there's still like three rows of like uh, silver and and, and 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 bronze age and you know comics you can get and, and yes there are there's some of the golden age ones that no one can buy and look at all I ever um, went to comic con for was comics but I go for the trade paperbacks I like to buy two or three that I'll read I bought like a, the Captain America um, the, the City of Poison uh, run from the late 80s early 90s it was all the drugs and bullseye shows up and that's when Diamondback went there and I, and I love Diamondback um, and that's still on read by the way I gotta read that one but um, that's what it's good for, like getting stuff that I think that's like half price. You see it there, you put it in your backpack, you go. I'm done buying the toys. I'm done buying the trinkets. I don't have room for the shit. Neither do I. You know, the last thing I bought was that Ninja Turtles arcade pack, the five pack, and they're just sitting there in the garage. Yeah, the two five packs. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I don't have room for it. Until so, I, I move. Uh, but it's point that Frank probably won't be going this year because he didn't want to pay to get in. I could have paid and got him a, a, a guest professional pass. I would have split it with him, you know, and he's like, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to have to pay. He's like sort of over. I'm like, come on, Frank. Really? I, might, like, I, I, I might be able to get him in on oh. like a Sunday, but that, no that's promises. All, and that, I mean, that's I mean all he's I not ask. listening. I might see if I can get him in on a Sunday. He'd pay you back in beer and or a barbecue if you could do that. Not. Um, <laughs> so Knots? What? Knots. Oh, Knots. Knots. Hey, Mir- hey, I got a little something for Miracle you. Johnson. Miracle Johnson. <laughs> a little Miracle Johnson. I said um, nuts. So, uh, beyond that, um, I don't want to jinx myself. The days that I'm in pain are still really bad, but I've actually been having some pretty good ab days recently. I, I said overall, you seem a little bit better. I can't quantify it, but my gut tells me that your gut is a teeny bit better. A teeny um, bit. Teeny. And, Which uh, is better than worse. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I almost feel like I, I, the ball stretching is working. Well, the other thing they say is because heat is supposed to help. Summer. Summer. So my worst days were winter. We'll see. Well, that's also when it started. When, yeah, yeah. Well, October. So we'll see. Um, like today is okay. What's bad is. I have other stuff going on. I have like uh, horrible like hives right now. That's a, I said you're allergic. That's to me now. that's different. But um, so that's good. Um, other f- things I'm doing. Fire Pro. I, normally I don't have anything to talk about. Fire Pro World is out, and uh, Jesus Christ, it's ruining my fucking life. <laughs> Are you a lost generation? I am a lost generation. <laughs> to Fire Pro. To Fire Pro. Well, um, what I, I can see how the amount of time you're playing because we're friends on Steam. Yeah, and I'm like, holy shit, Ian, you're getting some hours in pretty I quickly. I told people that Fire Pro World would ruin me, and it is. And I can't even do. I mean, with early access, you can't do six man tags. You can't do four man tags. I really can't do regular tags. But you can. But but you can do regular tags. Oh, you mean four? You mean four on four? I can't do six man. Yeah, and I can't do eight. I'm sorry, I can't do six man. I can't do eight man. Tags. Oh, they have eight man tag. Do they have Survivor Series style elimination? They've, uh, they've had. Um, I think they do. Yeah, I believe so. Um, you've always been able. You've been able to do eight man tag since uh, D. 
Oh, okay, it wasn't an S for sure. No, Six Man Scramble was yeah. a big deal. Right? And it, actually, they took it away for G because the PlayStation couldn't, couldn't handle it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Um, there is zero limit to edits, which is great. I mean, but yeah, it's your computer hard drive. Yeah, so it's fantastic. I'm excited. I hope they let you use your own music for like not yet, stuff, but, but there why there, not? there no. is rumor that that's going to happen. Um, the community's super active. Um, lots of uh, the only thing I don't like so far because it's not timing based, but it looks great. Is I'm really hoping the strike they they fix the strike exchanges because they look awesome. The new strike exchanges look fucking great. How do you enable those? Like, how do they come about? Is it random? So it seems like if you hit. If you both hit, like, um, so it seems like if you both hit, like, medium strikes at the same time, um, you know how, like, in the earlier Fire Pros, if you hit, like, uh, the weak strikes at the same time, you get into, like, the test of strengths back and forth, where, like, you, 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 you meet up hands and you, like, in actual, like, wrestling matches and you would wrestle oh, back and right. forth. I, I, I feel like they say the strike exchanges are random, but I feel like I get into them most if people both hit, like, the, uh, the weak grapple strikes. Okay. Or the medium grapple strike. Uh, and, and then you get into the strike exchanges. But right now they feel really mashy. I can't figure it out. But the game is, is great. The edit suite is just fucking insane. Whereas, like, you used to pick, like, a Rey Mysterio head. Um, Rey Mysterio's mask has four different fucking edit parts now. That's nuts. So there's a lot more layers that you can play with in Fire Pro. Yeah, and it's gotten me back into like really weird wrestling because I want to make edits. So like, I just subscribed to Pro Wrestling Eve, which is uh, a, a British all women's wrestling federation. Because oh, I just, okay. I, I just want to make edits that aren't out there. Yeah. Uh, well, my Disco Inferno one will be on the way. Disco's uh, already out. Oh God damn it! Alex Wright is already out. If you want to start making edits that don't exist, or you want to make better ones, get on it. Well, okay. Well, then me and Ian, someone will do us before we, we do us, I guess, on that one. <laughs> you know someone will do the CU podcast theme for wrestling. But, uh, no, it's been fantastic, and Bottle Deposit Pro Wrestling will be coming back uh, very soon. I've already started holding the preliminaries for Bottle Deposit Pro Wrestling. What the fuck? Is, what, is, what is that? That's my, that's my old EFED. Of course you had an EFED. You never told me you had actually had oh, yeah. an EFED. Yeah, it was great. I'll wreck house in that EFED with my, with my pet. <laughs> uh, no. Or no, Disco. Only real wrestlers allowed. Uh, disco. But but they are allowed to uh, be weird. Like uh, Street Clothes Goldberg and Dark Side Sid were the. Uh... <laughs> what the hell is a Dark Side Sid? He's all black and goth. No, he just has some. Uh, he had the Dark Side Hayabusa um, uh, makeup. Okay, that's. Anyways, uh, so, uh, it's so it's that's been a lot of fun. Ian and I are going to be at a video game convention. That's I the name of it. A, yeah, and I can't a video wait. game con, and I'm, that's in New Jersey. Ian comes, comes to my Garden State, and that's September 9th and tenth. I'm really excited. Uh, that'll be go to a videogamecon.com. I was there uh, last year. That's where I pre- premiered a certain NES uh, guide book. Our pal Norm, the gaming historian, will also be there. There's fighting game tournaments there. Wow, there's a lot. There's it's more than Evo. They got Arms, Smash Melee, Tekken Seven, Street Fighter Five, Ultimate. Marvel's Capcom 3, Injustice, Smash, Wii U, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, I might enter that, Street Fighter uh, Third Strike, uh, and a couple others, Mark of the Wolves. Not familiar with Ooh, that. I will, oh, uh, I will. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How about King of Fighters 14? Yo, if you don't have King of Fighters uh, 14, I'll bring the setup. Uh, I don't see it listed here. Pocket uh, tournaments there too, so that'll be a good time. Um, we were just announced on the 13th, we're going to be, we're going to have fun. I, uh, I really want to thank them for inviting me out, that's... Excellent of them. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Um, this is my second year. And, I heard uh, it was a lot of fun the first year. We're going to Friendlies. We're going to find a Friendlies. I can't fucking wait to go to Friendlies. I was a little annoyed at Norm 
And Dan, because I, I wanted to Uber 20 minutes to friendlies uh, back in June, Pennsylvania. You're like, man, do you really want to go there, Pat? I'm like, okay, you, you guys, you can, you can tell me you don't, you don't want the best ice cream in the world, but just, you know, say it to my fucking face. Like a man, don't have to say, oh, we don't pay for the Uber. I said, I'll pay for the Uber. I'll pay for the Uber, and I will, I will buy them clown Sundays. Well, they're not going to be there when Norm will be there. Oh. Uh, besides Norm, let's see, you're going to have a musical guest. Uh, Ian's holding the sword. You have uh, Kay Victoria. Am I holding the sword again? That's everyone's favorite picture of me. Adam Korlick, uh, Pete, Pete Dorr, um, and others to be announced. Cool. So that'll be fun. Again, go to a videogamecon.com. Should I have not announced Norm? He's not on the website yet. Well, Norm's going to be there. So <laughs> sorry about that. I'm getting you tickets. Um, and then other than that, I just spoke to uh, Super Collector the Immortal John Hancock. On a almost two hour not uh, not so common podcast, talking about where are we at with retro gaming? It'd be interesting. You might get a couple of nuggets of knowledge out of that, Ian, if you listen to that, John. When do I get to be on it? This is this is it, Ian. This is you. You really want me to interview one on one about stuff? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because you can. I I told you you're welcome. Uh, all, all bets is off. You can talk to me about whatever the fuck you want. That might end our relationship entirely if we have that conversation. Why? <laughs> no holds barred. Me and Ian. Let us know in the comments if you want to see that. That would be fantastic. I'm, oh! I'm pretty reasonable. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, and the ultimate game guide for NES is out now. Kiss uh, my double birds. Go to... Uh, Kiss my triple birds. Yeah, very reasonable. Go to <laughs> iOS.ultimatenes.com or droid.ultimatenes.com, and uh, that's version 1.3. Uh, 1.4 is going to be on the way in a bit, and that'll get all the PAL variants in, and all the HES and Australian variants in, so you can have the ultimate... Game guide. All right, let's get into this. I got Fire Pro to play. <clears throat> All right, Ian. We, we we were hesitant to talk about the mysterious Atari box before because there was scant information available, and there's still is scant information but, available. Uh, we have a render, a CG render of a console that looks like a modern 2600. It has a f- wood grain. It has the ridges. Of the VCS in there, too. I just wanted to say something. <laughs> okay. But it's the Atari box. It's got four USB ports. Uh, you're going to have an HDMI port to display, an SD card slot, and, a, and I guess like an Ethernet port on there. Um, so it was, it was teased back in June as a quote-unquote new Atari console. We can get into what exactly that means. From the looks of it, it looks fancy. It's it, slick. It looks sleek. I like the way it looks. I lick it. Why not? I I rub my dick on it. Um, okay, it is it it it's very sleek looking, um, and it has the Atari logo on it. And other than that, it's I'm guessing an Android console. Basically, they said it's going to include Atari games, classic Atari games, and perhaps modern stuff. Which I mean, well, as soon as you say modern, yes, that tilts it towards another direction of what this is going to be marketed as or what it could become. And my guess is an Android console that will probably run. Some of their more modern properties, Roller Coaster Tycoon, basically stuff that came out underneath the um, not really Atari banner, but stuff that was published under it. That doesn't mean that would be necessarily included with the, no the, the console. No, though. but perhaps purchasable through a store. A store. Um, this is not really a new Atari console. This is another. You know what would be great? You know what would have made perfect sense? What Ian? If they had put this in an Atari Jaguar shell. Hot take, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it took us 
oh, nearly a minute to get back to the Coleco Chameleon. Had I had my way, it would have taken 10 seconds. <laughs> I was going to say, how long are we going to take to get there? Anyways, um, people are tripping over themselves. Uh, as, our, as our friend Pete Scarrett said, um, it's like a P.T. Barnum circus. Every time something like this gets announced, people interpret it the wrong way. People buy up trademarks, slap them onto something. That does not mean Atari is making a new console. This is essentially, this is how I interpret this. This is an Ouya with an Atari logo on it. Why am I getting deja vu with this topic? Like, why am I, why am I just, like, thinking that this is going to be, uh, an, like we said, an Ouya with a name attached to it that might have meant something 30 years ago? Right. And I, I, it's... I'm not trying to be a dick. I just wish people would stop getting excited over this stuff. I, I think, I think we need uh, we need people to look at the history, especially these. Uh, I hate to get into how the cliche uh, game journalism sites they dropped the ball again. I called them out it with the chameleon that no one looked into this at all, and that Coleco uh, doesn't really exist anymore. Atari kind of exists, but not really. Still, or it's been bought and sold so many goddamn times in the past thirty years that. There's not a person uh, with the company now that was there when it was originally in its inception that you would look at and be, wow, this is connected to the original people. It's not like Nintendo that's had the same sort of line of people involved. I think, to a degree, you're giving some of these journalism sites too much credit in that... Besides spitting out the fucking press release, which is exactly what they did with the Chameleon. Which is what they did with the Chameleon. I also think, to a degree, you're giving them too much credit. Um, It's not that... They're not even doing the research. It's a, I don't think they give. I, I, they don't I, give a shit. I, I think they know. I don't think they give a shit because it's it, it's clicks. Uh, people get excited. Oh, Atari's coming. No, no, they're not. Oh, Cl- no, Coleco's the, not. The closest I saw was the Kotaku article saying this is an Atari box, whatever that is, which is probably well, the best way you can you know have a headline for it. Yeah, because th- I, that what does that mean? Right. It doesn't mean fuck all. Because the same exact hardware. And specs can be put into another box, and they can get the license for the same Atari Twenty Hundred games. Because guess what? They're giving that license away to everything. Yeah, we joked about the Denny's thing a, a couple years ago, which was the best use of the asteroids. <laughs> is still ingenious. Yes, we were laughing at how great that was. But that's that's where Atari as a brand is right now, though. I think if you put- just, we just talked about the, the the watch Kickstarter. Were you on the podcast for that? No, the watch. Okay, that was during your, when you're out. They just did a, a game watch branded Atari watch on Kickstarter a few months ago. That's actually kind of neat. You, you want to play Pong on your on your wristwatch and centipede? Like you pull that off. The whole point is this: no, not Atari really. is getting its name out everywhere. They want to make money on these, you know, on these games that you know. Uh, and when's the last time someone really said, you know, what? I want to play Enduro Racer? I want to do that. I don't. In the past, when people talk about Atari in the modern era. They published, like, like I said, stuff like Roller Coaster Tycoon, Unreal Tournament. They published stuff like that. So that's not who this is going to appeal to, though. Right. In theory, this is going to appeal to people on Atari age, potentially. No, it's, I, this is not well, going to appeal. To- p- potentially, I'm not saying it will. That's the audience, though, that could you, be into this. You insult our friends on Atari age. Potentially doesn't mean it's going to happen. Okay. I didn't even read the feedback on Atari age. Suffice to say, after the Chameleon, you it's not going to be positive. Ian, I owe a stack already before this. But that's the point, is that if you're going to make an, a, call this what it says, a nostalgia box, you have to know your audience. But here's here's the thing, Ian. 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. I heard that from someone on a podcast once. If you wanted to play those classic Atari 2600 games, Warlords, Centipede, Asteroids or Asteroids, or Endora Racer, and you wanted an HD experience, you would have fucking done it by now. Mm-hmm. You would have done it in a variety of ways, whether it's a RetroPie, whether it's getting your 2600 modded or 7800 modded, whether it was uh, going onto the PlayStation Arcade or Xbox Arcade Store and buying the, the fucking games again and playing them there, which you can do. Mm-hmm. There are a multitude of ways that you can play these classic games already. Yes. And if you were interested in doing that, you would have found them by now. I remember buying the PC CD-ROM uh, Atari collection or one of them in like at CompUSA or Computer City in like 95. It right. was there on CD-ROM. And I got it whatever 10 bucks back then or 15 whatever it was so what this what this what they're trying to do here is capture this mainstream buzz which they've done because everyone's running stories ign's running stories kotaku all the geek websites with no info on what's actually on it with no info and originally not saying that hey this is actually a pre-advertising for a kickstarter we're going to do so what does that really mean they're going to keep this buzz around when the kickstarter comes around are the same people that are interested in now saying, oh, well, I haven't played an Atari in 30 years. I'm, I'm going to buy this. I don't know if that's going to ever happen. I don't know. Because guess what it didn't happen with? Another console that we covered extensively. Now, you can say that Atari, yes, Atari is a brand name that actually matters. Coleco is fucking dead and gone. Atari actually still matters to people. You'll still see, see, people, see people wearing an Atari shirt. I think I saw one like last week. Right. I actually someone wearing an Atari shirt randomly. But it doesn't mean this is going to be a successful Kickstarter, and it doesn't mean that this is going to go anywhere. We don't know. I don't know what the goal is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be 100,000, 200, 500,000 uh, on this. I, I would think that a, a company, who owns Atari? Is it Infogrames? Is it, who the fuck owns it at this point? Uh, Infogrames, I think, is long dead. Uh, let's look at the history of Atari, which, again, is what any, what anyone, what I'm doing now is what any journalism covering this story should at least done to say, hey, listen, this is what Atari is right now. It's not the... It, it, you go to Sunnyvale. Go to Sunnyvale. There's no one working there anymore. Right. They're not in the... Bushnell hasn't been around in 40 years with the company. So, this is kind of my last take on it, and then I want to move into an Atari product that is slightly more It is Infogrames. Oh, okay. They own it. The name. The uh, brand. Whatever the fuck. So, really, the Atari box should be made into a chocolate bar, <laughs> because I would eat the fuck out of that chocolate bar time and time again, because it's attractive. Okay. Now... What's better and has, I think, and I, I'm not entirely sold on it, but does have um, at least some info behind it, um, and there is one reason why I find this to be very interesting, is the Atari Flashback Gold. Which is a 40th anniversary release, because this is the 40th anniversary of the VCS coming out in 77. So, now, this is the 8th Flashback, okay, which is ridiculous, but, 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 hold on, this is kind of a cool one. And I like it for a couple of reasons. 120 games. They have finally, um, finally, finally, uh, given the controllers 2.4 gigahertz wireless. They are not infrared, so they will. They should technically be decent or at least usable controllers. Uh, I hate the fact that they are still lefty unfriendly. Oh, Jesus Christ! What? They're fucking unusable for me. However, they have controller mm-hmm. ports. Mm-hmm. They have controller ports. Um, here's the big deal. They have third-party games on here. That's the first big deal. That's the first one. It's also HDMI out. 720p. 720p. 
Um, that's great. Um, but the fact that it has games like Pitfall, Pitfall, River Raid, uh, Frogger, this is a big deal because to me, it, to me, and I think to a lot of people, but I could be wrong. Oh, you're stating your opinion is fact. Anyways, um, when people think Atari. I don't think a lot of people think Atari's games. There are great Atari games, okay? Um, my buddy uh, my buddy Ed recently did a really nice thing for me and sent me a Raspberry Pi in a Game Boy Advance shell. Must have been messy. It, it, yeah, I mean, it was delicious, though. But he put some games on there for me. You know what I've played the most? Yars Revenge. Basically, I've not touched anything else on anything. On, on anything. But... That's an Atari game, so Atari does have some good stuff, but most people, I think, think of Namco games, like Pac-Man, even though it's a horrible version. Um, they think of stuff like Pitfall, Activision, they think of Kaboom. They just think Activision. of all the games that were on the system. Right. They think of all the games that were on the system, not necessarily uh, the Atari-made games. Yeah. And now you've got some of those great yeah. Activision you, and third-party games on here. You're going to get Tempest on here, and like Ian stated, if you got the paddles, plug them into the, 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 the gold. Tempest? Uh, you're not getting Tempest on here. Tempest was a homebrew. Tempest never made it on here until someone finally was like, we can make this happen. Tempest is listed. Is it? Absolutely. Holy fuck. Tempest is listed. Well, that's neat. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm going to eat my, my own ass. Um, anyways, um, but that's really cool. And um, well, as Pat well, pointed out... Tempest was a prototype, right? So it was Yeah, coded. okay. So they're putting it on there. That's neat. They're kind of following uh, Nintendo's uh, SNES Mini and putting... Yeah. Uh, so that's I'm cool. excited about that. I don't think I ever played Tempest on 2600. So I'll, with the paddles, that'll p- play fucking nice. Yeah, so you're, cool. yeah. Look at your eyes light up. Yeah. Look at your eyes light Woo! up, Ian. <laughs> so but this I, is the point. Going back to the point of if you wanted to get this stuff, you would have got it. I'm interested in this because it's HD. And for the cost of me going out and getting my 2600 modded and going through that rigmarole and having it sent back, I might as well spend the 80 bucks for this, get 120 built-in games, which will be 80 to 90% of all the 2600 games I'll ever want to play. play. Yeah, exactly. And then have the paddle support, because you can find them at the swap me for $2 still, mm-hmm. or go to any retro game store, they'll, they'll give them to you, basically. Nine-pin connector, I can probably just plug a Genesis controller into this. Maybe. Solve my problem. Uh, does it have, let's see... Does it have Enduro Racer? That's like the... Why are you... It has Enduro! All right. But but see, the whole point is check it out because this is, to me, the Atari box. Like, this should be the Atari box to me. Yes. And from what I know, I've never heard really horrible reviews about any of the the Atari flashbacks, right? They get the job done? They get the job done. Sound emulation and stuff was never great, but I, I, I do think that this could be... There's save games on here, you can and you can rewind. Yes. That's pretty cool. So you can do some of the same stuff that the uh, NES uh, um, Classic did. Um, I, I honestly think Has that... Has Hero. I, oh, oh, that's a huge one. Because Hero is a, a legitimately good game, and I would put it above Pitfall. Um, so, honestly, this, this is attractive to me. I think this is something that is far more interesting than any bullshit Atari box that no one knows anything about. All right, so we'll get back to on this issue when the Kickstarter actually arrives and we when we see the million-dollar goal, maybe or not on that, but you would think that they would want a hefty amount in order to produce the Atari box. But again, if you want an Android box, they're out there. And not, not to belabor the point, This what they are pushing is extremely similar, minus the cartridge, to playing modern games 
and the originals like a certain chameleon console was pushing at the time but this will has actually people behind it that actually can make a console that's probably the difference or at least market it and, or license it and get it done yeah I just I still feel like it's gonna be a new year and uh, that Castlevania Netflix show came out yeah and I really liked it um and end, end of discussion uh no um <laughs> so I, I they're doing it sort of I I believe a, a you know kind of an OVA way um which in in the 90s was very popular uh, they. What they, does that mean? Ian? So they put it out in 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 in, in kind of chunks. Um, it's not really kind of a series. Uh, they 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 do it in smaller amounts. And the way this was done was four episodes that basically total ninety minutes. And this is entirely a setup. Um, to the the larger sh- what I, what will end up being the larger show. Um, it seems to have been uh, critically well received. Um, it's based on Castlevania three. We're doing spoilers. Yeah, we're doing spoilers. We have to. And honestly, it doesn't really matter because it, it, it like I said, it's a setup. Um, so you're not going to be missing a whole lot. Not a setup. Like they're going to steal your money. A setup to a story. Uh, uh, to come. Yeah. Um, it's a setup. It's based it's on Castlevania three, which I think is very cool. Very smart. Um, because Castlevania three introduces a lot of interesting characters, and uh, in terms of story and lore, it is one of the most... It's one of the more interesting early ones, and it's one that I think people are familiar with. Um, so it starts with... Um, well, I want to get into something important first that I think is very important. The writing so far is very good, and there's a reason for that. Um, Warren Ellis is writing this. Uh, Warren Ellis is... Um, in my opinion, one of the best, I think in a lot of people's opinions, one of the best comic book writers of the modern age. Warren Ellis is wrote my two favorite comics. He did Planetary. Uh, he did Next Wave. Um, he's done runs on X-Men. Um, he did Transmetropolitan. Uh, Garth Ennis did, did. Yeah. I'm confusing him. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, he did uh, runs on X-Men. He did Transmetropolitan which is fucking fantastic. Um, I mean, this is a guy who is known for doing extraordinarily thought-provoking comics that are just amazing. Oh, oh he did Red. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's also known for doing fairly violent comics, and that shows through in uh, Castlevania and Spades. This is not a kid's cartoon. Not that I think anyone expected it to be. It's not even It's not even a, uh, an R-rated movie. It's It's... There's some bad shit that on screen that I was like, not that it upset me. I was like, I think that w- you could have gotten away with not showing some of that stuff. Like I, I was the, okay with it, but the, yeah, there was some stuff that could have been suggested even and could have been maybe as more harrowing than seeing the amount of gore and violence in this. Where I was like, huh, it's almost it's almost too much of a tonal shift because there's a, a lot of comedy in this. There's a lot of smart comedic uh, t- timing that goes on with some of the. Um, some of what uh, Trevor Belmont says, says. Wh- which is great, great work. Uh, I'll, I'll look up the, the actor who did it in a second. Uh, I, I I looked it up last night. But there's night even one cutaway joke. I won't I won't give the cutaway joke away near in the last ten minutes. That's hysterical. Wait, what? It's, no, you might as well give which one because I'm trying to remember it. Cut a, cut away to uh, what are the monks called? The, 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 there's a cutaway to him to him uh, basically hiding the monks and they're looking at the the, the dead uh, the dead. Uh, Colossus body. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's a brilliant fucking joke. joke. Yeah, 
But it's hard in my mind that a joke like that could exist also where a half hour before you see a demon carrying away like a little baby. Like that's where it's like the, the tonal shifts are so extreme in this that it almost threw me off of, uh, off of it entirely. Not to say, oh, Pat, you're a pussy. No, no, no. I could handle it. I'm just saying where I'm like, wow, I didn't expect that. And now you have this come up where you got to be careful when, when you, the way you're handling that sort of writing. When you have some like very powerful imagery, and then the next second you're shooting one-liners at people. You know, I, I kind of see where you're going with that, and I don't think it, it makes you, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a pussy. Uh, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> I hate that term, but I don't. I don't think it makes you like a, a wuss or anything like that. I don't think it makes you a pussy. Um, but I think, I, I think if you legitimately look at a situation like that, and granted, it's a cartoon. It's based on a video game. It's anime. You can't take yeah. it realistically, but in a situation like that, and, and I, I'm I'm big on dark humor, especially now. You have to. I think I think you gotta crack jokes in situations like that. But I do think in, it's a choice, though. It's a choice to actually show it explicitly. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I do like that they showed. Uh, I, I I loved that they um, brought in Saifa Belnades early. Um, I love that. Um, Alucard comes in at the very they, they, well. They well, yeah. tease him early, but I love that they bring in Alucard at the end. Yeah, well, that's a different. That's a whole different point. Like that stuff was done extremely well with those yeah, characters. That, I mean, they 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 bring these characters in fantastically. Um, the animation, for the most part, is good. Some of it, I thought, it was pretty good. Uh, no, I, I, I thought most of it was great. Some of it was a little weird. You can tell who the main characters are going to be, though, because, like, sure. especially, like, Saifa Belnades with, um, uh, why can't I remember the fucking monk's names now? Because I watched it late last night, and I felt like shit. Yeah, um, you should. I watched, like, the speakers? Speakers, yeah. Okay. Um, but, like, when, when Saifa's standing in front of them, like, she's so well drawn, and, I mean, that's anime in general, but the rest of them, like, have, like, yeah, True exactly. Line. Yeah, you know, I mean... The, and they pan across this one... I understand it's tough to and, traditionally animate And like stuff. I said, that is anime in general, but still, you know, it was, I, I, I felt like that was... I felt like that juxtaposition was extremely noticeable there. The action was fantastic. The action was very well done. It, it makes sense. Uh, I hate the... the geographically, uh, the, the Colossus fight uh, was very well done. Yes. And maybe we haven't got a team of too long, but like... There is enough action beats. My my problem with the pacing was for the first the first quote unquote episode or twenty minutes is all set up. Um, you need that though. You do, but I think you could have shortened it. I think you, there was a, a smarter way you could have condensed all that into like ten twelve minutes instead of like twenty four. I think you could have done that. But then you fall into is this too video gamey? No, I, for example, not to give too much away. But the we already said spoilers. We said spoilers. But there was a lot of setup with with uh, Dracula, who's Vlad in in here, and was yes. it fourteen seventy six or so? For, yeah. And then he sets up with the whole you know he talks to uh, someone who's basically trying to be a, a medical doctor and giving the knowledge. And then you have that. Then you, you have her burning at the stake. And then he gives the warning: "I'm going to come back in a year." Cut to a year later. Everything's going around, and then the, the, not the Pope, the Arch, the Bishop comes out and talks about everything's fine, and then all hell breaks loose. It was just a lot to get to that point. Uh, basically, what you care about most is that Dracula's pissed that they burn his wife, and he's going to fuck shit up. I think you could have condensed down. That's just my opinion. And for a ninety-minute runtime, which this is basically a ninety-minute movie, uh, if this was a ninety-minute movie, 
almost every movie you're going to introduce the hero. You're not going to wait a half hour to do that, to basically introduce the hero. Okay. I guess I just looked at it knowing that there's going to be more, so that didn't bother me. Like, like if this was a a 10-episode run, I would have said, okay, if you want the first episode to be just set up, that's fine. But you only had four episodes here to play with. Okay. And to use 25% of your time just to that, to a character, Dracula, who doesn't... Uh, really appear after the first episode. That's kind of it's strange. I'm not used to that. I, maybe this is the way it's done usually in the in the OVA genre. Well, and I'm but. not even saying it. I, 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 I'm kind of wrong on the OVA. I guess it's just that. I, I guess at first it wasn't really. They didn't know that they were going to get renewed, and they did. They got immediately renewed for a second season. So they they only had money to do ninety minutes. Yeah, four episodes versus something like a Voltron where they got ten right. or, or whatever twelve. So they figured, okay, we can't do the whole story. In an hour and a half, for what we our vision of it. So this is what we're going to try to do, and I think they did it well by ending it on Alucard without knowing what was going on. But then they find out. I think it was interesting how they 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 worked it into okay, shit, we're in Dracula's castle. So without now, realizing it. so yep. now they can jump into the Dracula's castle stuff. Sure. Um, I also, and it's it's Warren Ellis. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to start a lot of arguments here, um, Rubble, Rubble. And, and I don't want to uh, insult anyone. Very, very interested um, in the very anti-church um, messaging. Messaging. Oh, I mean, sure. The it, entire it, it the, the, the entire bit, thing yeah. is is anti-church. Oh sure, um, well, especially from that era, the 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 whole anti science, the whole um, the 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 whole uh, witch burning, the whole you know science is witchcraft and magic and that sort of thing, and uh, it almost you you know especially for the first two episodes, um, it plays it plays Dracula as a sympathetic character. Sure, and it's almost it's like I said, it's almost too much that every every priest you see is also like an assassin with a weapon. I'm just like. All right. They, if they got to go for it, they got to go for it. But it's it's cartoonish. It, it, there's there's no subtlety at all to any of the the priest characters, except for that one guy that shows up and comments is like, he's like he's almost disagreeing in the beginning. Remember the one with the beard? Yeah. He but you don't hear much from that guy after that though. He's gone sure. from the picture. And and there was a priest that helped that at the at the end with the, uh, with the holy water. Yeah. So but that was like one priest. It would have been nice to see some. Some sort of uh, conflict between the, the different priests, where it wasn't just like, "All oh, right, we're all gonna, we all carry knives and spears." Yes, but yeah. you, you also have to remember. I think a lot of this is based on the era where they carry knives and spears, priests. No, but you, <laughs> they but, had soldiers that did that for them. But yes, but that's what I'm getting. At. I think I, I I think they're trying to uh, that given. Given the story, given the writer, sure. given the era, I think that is. I think the church was generally viewed as evil at that point in time. Well, not if you're a Catholic, you couldn't do that. You couldn't view your Catholic church as evil. You're, you're, you're looking at it how we view how people might have looked at like, it now. Th- yeah, no, that's exactly what Based I'm saying. Based upon stuff like the Spanish Inquisition, yes, exactly, and things like that. I see that. Um, well, here's here was the who was the cast. I mean, who who was the voice of because um, the voice because uh, the voice of. Uh, of uh, Dracula and the voice of um, uh, Trevor were fantastic. Uh, actor Graham McTavish was Dracula. 
on the R- Richard Armitage. That's it. Yeah, and, and he played Thorn in Peter Jackson's Hobbit. He was fantastic. Yep, he was sort of like a, like sardonic uh, sense sense of humor, um, almost almost like Indie, Indiana Jones esque, where it was like, you know, messed up stuff happens, but when push came to shove, you know, he he, he was a badass. Yeah, like world weary, the world weary badass, which I don't know. If that's quite in the Castlevania Three canon, if there is a Castlevania Three canon that actually matters or not, uh, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was interesting that even though um, you could watch this without having any knowledge of the video game, but yet they Netflix chose to put the NES graphics as the thumbnail. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, it was almost like okay, we know that there's going to be some people that play video games that are going to be drawn to this, or maybe that. Oh, what is this? I'll click on it. I just thought that was kind of weird to to, uh, to see that. So we are going to get a season two, which will probably be what the middle hour and a half, I guess, of this. Saga? I would. I, I'm or just finish it up in four episodes. No, I I would almost guess, and I hope that they do maybe eight episodes for season two. I have a feeling they were really hedging their bets. You think so? Well, yeah. we don't have Grant show up yet. You think Grant's going to show up? I have a feeling that they will probably have most of the characters from three show up. I mean, I, I feel like they have to. I also love some of the little, um, some of the little. Uh, uh, see, that's the thing; they didn't beat you over the head with the fact that it was a game. Um, but there were little things like uh, the gears from the clock tower yeah. you could see. Yeah, there was I, references. I, there was references. You didn't have to have any knowledge of it, though. Right. Uh, but we didn't see a large variety of, of demonic enemies. Do we see any? We didn't see like any skeleton warriors yet. No, for there example. was there was no Medusa heads yeah. and stuff like that. We got the werewolf looking thing. Yep, uh, we got the Colossus. So, so we got we got some teases of stuff. But I guess we're gonna wait and see. And yeah, we'll see probably Grant show up. So you have all four of them. But this is how you do it. Sure, this is how you do something based on a video game. You don't have to hit all these fucking beats you right know? away. Sure, you you can you can flesh it out. So check it out. Um, I, I would. I, I thought it was very good, even though, like I said, I had some minor quibbles with it here or there. Uh, quibbles, kibbles. Uh, it was cool to have the different characters show up with their different abilities, and it felt like Highlander for a while at the end. Spoilers with with the sword fight, but it was it was well done. The sword fight was you know well done, and it made sense. Mm-hmm. And the and the whip action was there too. The whip was action was good, and and Alucard uses a sword. So, Ian, are you excited for that Super NES Classic Edition? Yes, you are. But, Actually, I am. Oh, I told right. you I, that I was. I was answering for you affirmatively. Um, <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic. <laughs> Who knows everyone knows how I feel about that. So eBay has done something good. Good on eBay for doing this. So after the SNES SNES mini pre-orders went live in the UK, uh, scalpers automatically already say because remember the pre-orders went live. They are not here yet. We're still mm-hmm. waiting on pre-orders in, in the US. But scalpers already had them pop up saying, "Oh." You know, it's ready to go. I'm going to ship it out to you. But eBay has that rule. That rule that they, they acted on here, which is good. That unless you have the item in hand within 30 days of your listing, you're really not supposed to list the item for sale. Because things can happen. You may not get it. People might be screwed out of luck. So the good news is that uh, eBay went and pulled scalper listings of the European Super pre-orders, NES right? pre-orders. Yeah, yeah. That's the good news uh, at the time. An eBay representative, this is from Eurogamer. An eBay representative told Eurogamer pre-order items can only be listed on eBay if there is available if they're available for postage within 30 days from the purchase date, which is the 29th September. Uh, we will remove listings for pre-release items and accessories if the release date of the item is more than 30 days away. The spokesperson said, "That's good." Yeah, I'm not sure though if when it happens here, if eBay is going to be quite as a uh, 
on board with doing that because there'd be, be a lot more listings here probably, and it might be harder to, to combat combat. But you know, it's a, it's it's a good start though because I don't remember them taking them down for the NES Classic. No, they, I don't believe they did. Um, but this is a good start, and I think I just think as time goes on, this is something that we are going to see um, more of, and I we need to see more of it, and. I think more stores are going to start doing that as well. Um, what was it that I saw recently? Um, damn it, I'm losing it now. Uh, there was something I saw where um, if there was a, a store that was uh, something was uh, something was limited, and if they caught you pre-ordering more than two, they were just going to completely cancel all oh. your orders and ban you from pre-ordering more of anything. And I can't remember what it was, but. Basically, a lot of places are finally starting to crack down on scalpers, and I'm very happy to see that. Yeah, because they're gonna. If you're a retailer, you're gonna sell no matter what. Yeah, there's actually less risk involved if you spread it around to multiple buyers versus one idiot trying to buy a hundred of them. So why piss off your customers exactly. if you're gonna sell all of your your stock anyways? There's so, zero reason to cater to a scalper. So Amazon UK to to go back along with this, Amazon UK uh, were limiting their orders of when you order more than one. They were saying. Uh, they 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 only allowed one uh, on the pre-orders on Amazon UK site when this happened. Um, so this was a sample. An email posted to Neil uh, Gaff. This is also your gamer. Uh, they they said uh, they explained the decision as being down to a change of availability. Uh, said unfortunately, there's been a change of availability of this item on Amazon.co.uk. As a result, there is now only one listing for the classic. As such, we reduce the quantity in your order to one unit. So if you ordered more than one, they let you have the one, but they, they lifted the rest from, you know, from your order, which is fine. I have no problem with that. No problem. If you want to try to get a second one, try to try to get it somewhere else. You have your opportunity. Yeah. But I don't want someone with a fucking bot running roughshod and getting a hundred of them. Cause that's what happened with the NES. And maybe these retailers weren't aware that these bots existed on, you know, before this, but they got to know now. They see the orders come in, and again, they know they're going to sell out. And would you rather sell sell them all out to as many individuals as possible, or would you rather get all those nasty emails and complaints on Twitter and social media about it? Right. You know, you know we didn't really talk about this uh, when when the Super NES Classic was announced. You know what the majority of the, the feedback on Nintendo's uh, Facebook page was? People pissed they couldn't get the NES Classic. Right. Now, obviously, that was due to not enough supply to meet demand, but if there weren't people that bought 50 or 100 of them, you at least could have at least some of those people be able to get one because they're still trying to, they're still trying to scalp them on eBay right now. If you look for the NES Classic, there's plenty of them out there, but no one's, gonna, no one's willing to spend the $200 on them. So the price, I think, are slowly you know, coming back down to earth. And, of course, most of those are already modded if you want to uh, do that. So we're still waiting for an official uh, pre-order uh, date here, but bravo, bravo to eBay. UK and to uh, Amazon for at least trying to stunt the proliferation of the scalping uh, of these items, right? Yep. Uh, on this note, Ian, because Nintendo decided that, hey, we're going to make 150 NES Classic Editions, it was really 2.1 million worldwide, but not enough, um, a lot of bootlegs have come to the market. I find this dumb. You find dumb the fact that there's bootlegs, or the fact that it actually there's happened. Bootlegs. Are you surprised that there's bootlegs? Yes. Okay. What? What? what why? I just don't understand why someone would want a bootleg NES classic edition. Classic edition. I could understand wanting the real deal. 
They look nice. They're official. They're official. Nice box. Nice box. Nintendo made it. You get it, you play with it, or you're a collector and you want it. But after that, if you can't get it, you go through your six stages of fucking grief, and you download an emulator, and you hook your computer up to your TV, and you you, you play your fucking games. Mm-hmm. Why do you want a bootleg NES Classic Edition? I, I that makes no sense to me. Well, again, this is. But all... I mean, I, I mean, I mean, they're making them. So I mean, if people are buying them, I I guess there's a market that this I, this really baffles me. Well, Neil Gaff, uh, Neil Gaff user reported first Lupin the Third. The box actually looks like a decent box facsimile. Probably if you looked up close to it, I'm looking at this. It looks like the European box because it has it has yeah it has both English and French in there. I think it's interesting that they did offset the logo purposely so that you can uh, people can determine. Um, oh, you think they did it on purpose with the logo? Well, I would hope so, but at least it's offset so you can determine that it's a bootleg or not. Well, I guess they but, probably depending upon where you buy this, you can probably determine it as well. I'm not sure where you're going to find this. Oh, by the way, it was 2.3 million NES Classic editions, but uh, it, it was supposedly the controller was actually pretty decent quality. Why not? They might have gotten the same source as <laughs> Nintendo did. Yeah, and. Uh, you look at the coloration. The coloration is not exact. It looks like no on it. The mold looks kind of like it was made out of Play-Doh. The menu looks. The menu once you get into it is all the same, but the splash screen is different. Yeah, it's like a rainbow <laughs> splash screen. <laughs> if you couldn't tell when you bought it, you could tell by then. Um, it's probably the guts probably aren't as good. Uh, no. I'm just guessing. Yeah, the, the, probably the guts are not as good on it. Uh, it's probably probably safe. If you, if you plug it in, it won't blow up. Probably. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just a very weird thing to exist. It's the same 30 games, it looks like, that you get on it, right? So you got that. Um, my my question would be, if you're going to go and boot, like, why not just add more games to it while you're in? Like, why not just do that? Well, in that, uh, you're, you're basically asking the same question that I am. Why not just Raspberry Pi it? Oh, because it looks like a nice Nintendo case that was printed? So, 3D print one. 3D print one yourself, or, or buy one that's available out there? Yeah. I mean, they, I, they, they do make I mean, nice... They, I mean, they do make cool little cases for Raspberry Pis. I mean, once you get to this point where you're buying a bootleg NES Classic Edition, at that point, how far are you from those 501 consoles they used to sell in the mall in the, in the late 90s? Right. Like you're, it's just it's just a different shape at that yes. point, right? Is that and the fact that it's and the fact that this is an HDMI out, which I guess in '97 you couldn't get from your little wooden carts in the middle of the mall. They probably didn't didn't uh, uh, didn't have that. I'd be interested in checking one of these out just to see how it looks compared to one next to it. Yeah, uh, but I don't know where you can buy these yet. Like, where can you actually buy these? Um, NES Classic Edition knockoff sale. Like, where can can you buy this on AliExpress? Um, you gotta be able to buy this on AliExpress. Maybe. I thought it said somewhere on there that you could not find them there yet, but I don't know. Oh, I, I, I guarantee you, if Nintendo didn't care about bootleg shit before that, you guarantee you they would lickety-split come down on AliExpress if they sold bootleg NES Classic Editions there. Sure. Like, that would that would be it. Yeah, you know, the coloring's all like, it's like a yellow Super Nintendo color almost on it. When you look at the picture yeah. of it. Yeah. It's kind of gray on the bottom, but it looks like a different shade. I don't think that's just the lighting. It looks like, it, and it also looked kind of like a sandwich that had been put in a lunch bag and slightly crushed by a textbook. Like, it just... <laughs> it just 
just doesn't well, look right. Would that change the colors if you did that? No, I'm just saying it doesn't look oh, right. Oh, it is on AliExpress, according to um, uh, okay. finance.yahoo.com. Is that right? Let me let me just search for that real AliExpress. Ooh, Nintendo's not going to be happy about that. Uh, NES Classic. Let me let me see. What if I could have researched this before the podcast? AliExpress.com slash... Oh, no. I, oh, they might have been pulled already. Uh, because I see it when you search for it. You say, online get cheap NES Classic dash AliExpress.com. It's almost a scumbag seller of the week listing. Ooh, they're all pulled, I think. Because uh, when you actually click on the link, you can't find anything. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Nintendo might have said, you know what? We're going to f- sue the fuck out of you, AliExpress, if you allow third-party par- sellers on here. Because when you search for it, I'm on Bing.com. That's just the default search engine on, on this Chrome thing right now. Don't ask me why I'm using Bing. It said 30-plus items. When you click on it, they're all gone. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing on yours when you try to click on it. Uh, yeah. Wholesale NES Classic Edition. When you click on it, I get the no pointer exception error. So I think they were all fucking pulled as soon as Nintendo found out about that. So there you go. Nintendo's saying, uh-uh, AliExpress, we're going to send our ninjas after you. I still think Nintendo has ninja assassins they, they hire on the side. I still think that. Oh, okay. They've been around long enough. They, they, they existed when there were still ninjas and samurai in the late 1800s. Why not? You know, they were dying off, but they were still around. So uh, we'll see if we can get one of these somehow. That, it would be fun just to break it open and be like, what the hell's going on? I want to actually hear, the, hear like what it actually sounds like. If, if they had, it'd be funny if they if they actually came up with their own side splash and their own cheesy ass like intro music like they did in all those multi carts. Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, Ian, this was in the loot crate from last month. It was the Marvel Spider Man fig. You don't eat the fig; you display the fig. It's a little, it's a little upside down, black and white Spider Man. Sp- I really like those Q figs. They're really nice. Spider Man Maniac grips looters. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Wanted. Photo of Spider-Man. So anyway, I'm wearing the Loot Crate shirt from last month. <laughs> and Loot Crate's a proud sponsor of the CU Podcast. You know, they have... Everything's exclusive in the crate. Everything. Shirt. The little figures now. There's a Hulk bowl down there. I guess you can eat your cereal out of. So, um, if you want to get the next month's Loot Crate, you have, a, you have a day. When you hear this, you have that day to get next, next month's theme, which <laughs> is... Um, or this month's theme, which is July's. Which is uh, the one with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bob's Burgers, Futurama, Rick and Morty. Um, so you have until July's Loot Crate. Is this the? Yeah, this is valid until July nineteenth. You you got to get that right now if you want all that stuff. You got until nine Pacific by the time you hear this. Go to lootcrate.com/pat. Enter code pat to save ten percent on any new subscription. You like the Loot Crate, Ian, right? Yeah, and you can try a Loot Pets out if you if you want a T-shirt for your dog or cat, I guess. <laughs> and you got to get Loot Pets at least one month. <laughs> Just yeah. one. You gotta torture Spike at least one month with a Harley Quinn hat or something. <laughs> I don't know. That would be yeah. fun. And then they also have the Mega Crate, um, which you can you can uh, try to win. And the Loot Crate DX, which is not a wrestling term. That's their bigger ass. And they also have the Loot Wear, which I'm a fan of in the past. So again, go to LootCrate.com slash Pat, enter code Pat, and you save 10% on any new subscription. And you have until tonight, until July 19th, to get the animation crate. We're also now looking at That's It Fruit Bars. These are delicious. Uh, the That's It Fruit Bars called that because uh, right on the cover of the package, actually, um, it tells you exactly what's in it. What's what's in your fruit bar, Ian? So this one is a the strawberry one, and it is one apple, 12 strawberries, and that's it. 
when we got these, Pat kept looking for the ingredients list. I actually did. I didn't, did. Get, I didn't get the marketing of it. So here's the deal. Vani, when we were really busy, uh, my, my wife, when we were really busy about six months ago, she would go to uh, Starbucks and they would have these little bags that you could buy that would have like a, like a protein box and yeah. you'd get a fruit bar in it. And it was these. And I, I really liked them. And they are... There's there's nothing in them. I don't know how they do it. Like I'm not I'm not just showing this. So I got the blueberry apple here, and so when you eat it, it there's no granola, there's no rice in it. It's just fruit. It's dehydrated fruit pressed but together. But it's moist though, and it's tasty as hell. It's moist. Oh it's, yeah, it's in a bar form somehow. And there's two ingredients: blueberries and apple. And that's it. I can't. Get, that's it. I, I really can't. I don't. I don't understand it. And they're super good. They're 100 calories. Non-GMO. No preservatives. No added sugar or shit. Four, four grams of fiber. No fat. Gluten-free. All natural. Kosher. Vegan. And raw. And I, I kid you not, they are tasty. I went through. It's a real serving of fruit. It's not like when you go and buy, eat a, a Hostess fruit pie. That's not a serving of fruit. No. That's a serving of diabetes. This is a serving of fruit. <laughs> and, yes, it's a sponsorship. But, we, no, I'm serious. We got two boxes know. of these. I don't know how it works. I blew through them. In like, Bonnie and I blew through them in, like... Um, we got apple, blueberry, apple, mango, apple, strawberry, apple, cherry. The pineapple's really good. Pineapple. Um, I, I blew through... I, I gave, like, half a box to um, my uh, pregnant friend, and uh, we blew through the rest of them in, like, a week. They're, they're delicious, and um, I would like them to continue sponsoring us because I want more. It's fantastic. Um, and you can find... Where can you find them? Uh, Starbucks? It, uh, Starbucks, Whole Foods, That's It Fruit.com. Wait, wait, wait. Right? with your mouth full. That's It Fruit. It's delicious. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying not to talk with my mouth full. In this bar... I'm, this is even a hard sell. I'm amazed. In this bar, there's one whole apple somehow and a quarter of a pineapple in this fruit bar. And guess what? That's it. No sugar added. No fat. Done. Done. That's it, fruit, baby. Uh, we do have a promo code for That's It Fruit. Oh, good. We do have a promo code for That's It Fruit. Woo! I found it. It's That's It Fruit.com. There's no special URL, but c- the promo code is CU Podcast, and you save 10% on That's It Fruit. Because you know what's in this? Fruit. That's it. So, <laughs> code CU Podcast, and you save 10%. Ian, you help run. A couple of independent game stores. Two Luna video game locations. One in Chula Vista and one in La Mesa. Don't you? Yes, I do. You've spoken about what it takes to run an independent game store quite often on the show since you have some experience with it. So, Polygon um, published an article. And I, I, I'm going to hit on some just some points here. Um, you really should read this article if you really want to know. This is a great article. Um, it was written by... Um, hold on. It was I got it. it was written by Matt Leone. It was published on July seventeenth, so just yesterday. Um, and it's it's a long article. It's worth reading all the way through. I can't get into all of it because it would take f- forever. Um, but what I love about this article is it validates and and verifies every single thing I've ever talked about running an independent game store on this podcast. Um, like, literally down to numbers I've quoted. Okay. 
Um, right, so what it talks about is, is, is a lot of this talks about, um, the, the financial, um, what goes into financially running one of these things, the problems that people face, uh, in, in modern times with running these, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the interesting thing about this article that does stray a bit from what I talk about in this article, uh, I talk about on this podcast is this does seem to be um, a bit more focused on uh, a, a store that focuses more on newer games. Okay. Okay. Um, so this article seems to me to focus more on uh, new game sales for newer systems and used games. Um, for newer systems. For newer systems. Not necessarily retro games. Right. But it does it does cover some. So, one of the biggest problems with running a modern game store is um, the delicate balance of bringing in brand new games and the wholesale costs um, that you, that a game store um, pays versus the profit that you make on it and um, how fast these games drop in price. Um, the fact that wholesalers don't really give a fuck about independent game stores and um, that things like Amazon are almost the better way to, to buy you know some of these new games. Sure. Now... Someone um, in this article, and this is such a huge article that if I can't quote everyone properly, I'm going to feel horrible. But someone said that uh, in this article that when you run an independent game store, you're not really running a, a game store. You're running a store. Wholesalers don't view you as a game store. They don't give you the discounts that they give um, other stores. That they give the big chains, GameStop, the big box right? Like Target or Walmart, Target, uh, Walmart, Best Buy, GameStop. Um, you know, there's a quote that back in the uh, the 80s and 90s, you used to be able to buy a game wholesale, like an NES game, say for 25 bucks, or a PlayStation game for 30. Okay, and these games were sold for 49.99, or or something like so that. So you make a hundred percent profit. So you would make. Roughly. A great amount of profit. Which is, for, for a wholesale, that's a good amount. Yeah. 100% is respectable. Th- that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, nowadays, and I think it's funny because I have, I've stated these prices. Wholesalers will charge you 49 to $55 you've, for a new game. You've stated in the low 50s, I think, below at least, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I've, 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 na- I've even said 49 because that's the cheapest we've ever gotten a wholesale game for. And so, so that's a maximum of eleven dollars profit before you take into account shipping, shipping, taxes uh, on that you're paying as a business, and whatever overhead you you have running the store. Right, that's not enough. That's not enough. So what they talk about is now you have to with 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 Amazon. Um, people doing Amazon because with Prime you get these great discounts and things like that. Is it worth? Getting these games in. Are you actually going to get your shipment on time? If you get your shipment at 3 in the afternoon 
as opposed to the day before so that you can have that game on your shelf on street date the morning of. Are you even going to sell it? There's a talk about a guy in here who um, has an entire showcase of games on eBay. Here's the quote. Ready? I have a whole showcase full of games we're selling online right now of games I probably paid $52 for and I'm selling for $15.12. 12 12 to $15. So he's taking a a huge bath on these games that I guess he couldn't sell quickly enough and the value, like you said, plummets on these new games. If you walk into Luna, um, you will see single copies of games along the back wall. Sealed. Brand new. That we are taking baths on. Sealed? Sealed. Yeah. Sealed. That we probably paid... 50 to $55 for that we are now trying to sell new for $29 or, or you know, or whatever the current new price is, or $19.99 or even $9.99. So from your perspective, then why would you continue to do that? We Come don't. You, you've given up on new games. Uh, we, uh, for the most part, we've given up on new games. And in this article, you will see a lot of these game stores that have. Um, I saw something that was very interesting in this article. And that is... Um, the uh, there was a guy who will pre-order one copy of every new game off of Amazon. Um, through Prime, get save, the discount, save twenty percent, save twenty percent, and that gives him a longer window of time to try to sell this game. Sure, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense, and you know that way he doesn't take such a hit. If it doesn't sell. And his problem margin will be the same. If he buys a $60 game at $48, that's, you're saying that's the cheapest you can get it from a distributor anyway. Anyways, so the so, profit margin is yeah. the same. What I think is probably the best idea, honestly... Would be able to return if they didn't sell them to Amazon? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. But what I think is an even better idea, now, that, and I'm just freewheeling here in my head, is uh, you buy the games that you or your employees might want, you put them on well, the shelf, and if they don't sell, then then you've got a guaranteed sale somewhere anyway. Well, that's a great that's a great point though about I think Best Buy does a, a, a percentage off Club Two on new releases. Amazon does theirs. I spoke about before is that when you do that, then maybe you only buy three or four. If you're forced from a wholesaler to buy ten or twenty, then that's a bigger risk versus just buying three or four. That hey, you make a little profit on. You can have it in your store. You say, oh yeah, I have the new release here. You can buy it here if you want. And there's less, like you said, there's less risk involved at that point too. And the other problem is you get you, you've got these indep- you've got the stores that want to play it by the book, and then you get stores that break street date, which also well, makes it nearly impossible to sell these new games sure. when you've got the stores that break street date. Um, so you've got that issue. Um, Is digital affected? Digital, I think, has. And I think digital has greatly affected things on the the West Coast, especially. And uh, the main reason digital is... And I I did mention this in a previous podcast. You can buy it earlier. You can buy it earlier. Um, I can buy... For instance, uh, I get impatient. uh, You know, a game that I might really want physically. uh, If I've got Tuesday off... And I'm sitting there Monday, and I really want Wipeout Omega Collection, and I know that I can stay up all night playing it. It's really tempting to buy it at nine o'clock on Monday, so I can stay up all night instead of waiting, you know, waking up at eleven on Tuesday and going and buying sure. it physically. Um, so I think digital has affected it too. Um, so th- th- there is that. 
the, the other thing that I found interesting besides, uh, and, I, and I'm glad I saw that because I thought it was just us. I thought we just had shitty distributors. It's interesting to see that the distribution problems for independent game stores oh, sure. are the same everywhere. Yeah, you're small potatoes compared to a big box store. Like, why would they care about it if you left tomorrow? <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and the thing was, is, you know, I, I would love to know a lot of, you know, there are some of these uh, people who have been doing this a long time, but, um, you know, some of these people are, are, are newer at this. I, I, I wonder if some of these people who have been doing this longer have seen the change that we've seen because in 2006, we used to be able to get our games two days early. We used to be able to get them almost always at like the the forty five to forty nine dollar price point, which was still not. I would say more uh, forty five is a little low. I would say, but we used to always be able to get them like at the forty eight to forty nine price okay. point. Um, and we used to always be able to get them a day early, so we would have them, or, or two days early, so we would always have them for street date. And that 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 slowly became never the case. Jeez. And now we can't find a distributor who can maybe even get them to us on street date if well, if on time. So like yeah, you got to order early on Amazon Prime right. shipped to you that day. Um, other things that I found interesting: uh, the, the costs are basic. Like when when um, so uh, that that guy who uh, who you said something about his face. Um, is this about someone's face? That John Soccer, I think his name was John Soccer, guy who opened that cool store somewhere. The guy who. Uh, here he is. Jonathan Sacro, owner of Gamers Anonymous in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the guy who found all those, uh, who found all those. Oh, um, the guy who found all, all, I met him. I, yeah, I, 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 I know you did. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's all all the night the bridge, Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I said he looked like a scumbag seller <laughs> of the week that was selling all the interview tickets. <laughs> but yeah, we he, laughed about he found that. all the night traps. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Shit, in regards to him. Um, because he made, he made an interesting, oh, looking over like his, uh, because hey, he well, opened his books. Okay. And his books look very similar to Luna. So it, it, it's cool um, to see that these, these things Costs are... Costs include... Uh, I'm just going to run it down because people are going to $3,400 for payroll, $800 for rent, almost 1000 for taxes. That rent seems low, but that's he's in New Mexico, yeah. not San Diego. Uh, so 1800 for rent, two fifty a 1000 for taxes, 250 for mis- miscellaneous bucket or minor expenses like cleaning supplies from Walmart, 200 for a point of sale system, which I'm trying to get Luna on, 175 for credit card processing, which is a decent amount. Remember, they take like you know between two and four percent. They kill, yeah. Um, 150 for electricity, 150 for insurance, 150 for internet and fo- phone, 150 for an accountant. Actually, okay, I'm gonna lie. He's 100 for advertising. He's got a really actually. I'm sorry. His books are real low. A <laughs> hundred for uh, five stars customer rewards program. I guess I do something like that. Thirty dollars for get six dollars for web hosting. We actually so, pay a lot more, but still, I mean, it, it, it's cool to see this and be able to compare it. So um, this California is why, just more expensive. So this is why when people go, "Hey Pat, what? Why do you care? What you know? Why don't you get get, get on the brick and mortar stores for how much they charge? Because they have a hell of a lot more overhead than some asshole on eBay or someone at a swap meet. Does. Right, and, and they and, have and, to protect themselves a lot more. And, and this is in 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 Jonathan here. This is not a small monthly amount that he's paying out. Okay, and he's in New Mexico. This where, is where seven thousand dollars a month. Where where about. he's paying less probably because of location. Now you probably look at now and I'm not going to get into our stuff but we're paying more in rent and I pay I just because of the amount of trade-ins we do. Okay, so to stock shelves he says he pays about 1500 a month on new games and peripherals and about 1500 to buy used games. We I would say 
the new games and peripherals. Maybe a little bit more on preferred. That's probably about right. We pay a lot more um, on the but, used games because we have a lot more coming in. But what's interesting, he says, on average, they sell just under 1,000 of the store's 4,500 uh, games each month. So mm, Okay, so we're, we're selling more than that. So he, he, the whole point is that you always have to have more than what you're selling. To keep, yes. So people are interested in what product you have. But you always have to buy. It's not like you can turn stuff away anyway. What, what I want to get into, really, the, the long and short of it is, I appreciate Jonathan putting this all out here. We'll even probably though, see him at, at, in, yeah, in, in Arizona. That would be cool. Nice. Um, and I'd love to talk shop with him. Um, the numbers are different, but I think what I, what I really appreciate him putting this out here for is that I, I want people to understand that this is why we have to charge what we do for games at a retail store. Mm-hmm. We're not out trying to fuck people over. We have overhead that people on Craigslist selling games don't have. Or even people selling their collection at, at, at a, a convention. At a convention. Yeah. You know? That's why when I go to a convention, I can cut a really good deal on the games coming out of my personal collection, but we can't cut that kind of deal at, at, at Luna. This is why, yes... You know, people always get mad when I say, no, I'm not haggling at Luna. I can't afford, we can't afford to haggle at Luna. Now, if you come in and you're nice and you're buying stuff, yeah, I, nice. I, 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 I will cut discounts. But, you know, you can't just ask for that stuff. Sure, I still have $50 credit, by the way. Yeah. So, I, I haven't been in a new store yet. Um, <laughs> you haven't invited me to the new store. I don't need to invite you to the new store. Just as a PL pack, come visit me. <laughs> um, so I, so I miss you visiting you here, Ian. So... There is something that I have noticed, though. A but, lot of but, these places... So, there is talk on this about um, them saying five to ten years. Um, of what? Of uh, physical store presence. I, they think left. I, I think we've reached the, the peak, and it's already... We're going to see a decline. I wanted to get to this. You skipped over this. This is more of retro in general. Well, it's hard. You no. can't. You almost can't run as an independent games without retro games. This is yeah. This is you where can't. I was. This, I skipped uh, over it for a reason. I wanted. I, I, okay. And I'm getting back. I'm. This is, I'm getting. To, I'm looking at. Right I'm here? getting to it right now. Uh, well, I think I am. We're linked. L- let me let me get to this. And if I'm missing something okay. you're talking about, then jump in. Um, so they're talking about how they think there's a physical presence of these types of stores for maybe five. The, the lifespan is maybe five to ten more years. Um, I think that that is probably true for stores that are focusing more on new games. This article seems to... Now, I know there are some stores in here that are dealing in retro, but I I think that that's not necessarily true if your main focus is on retro. I also think that... Because there, there are some stores in here that are talking about it where they talk about how they have to branch out to stay alive... I think that branch out with like trinkets and loot trinkets and and toys. magic cards and toys. I think that's more for stores that are dealing in newer games. I think if sure. you're dealing in retro, well, that's what GameStop's I think doing. if you're dealing in retro, I think that's very dangerous. Actually, but it's also dangerous to stick entirely with retro games if we've reached a peak of not just the interest in retro game but also the pricing. True, which is why someplace like Luna covers everything, but you have to have a healthy selection. Oh, sure. Of everything. It's also how you, many stores are in your area. You you can't, right. It, you can't right. have you you can't have 
you can't just you can't focus mostly on new games and have a paltry selection of retro. That's a point. You, you can't focus entirely on retro, but skip out on PS2, 360, PS3, PS4, and Xbox One. Sure. Um, this is a semi-advertisement <laughs> for my conversation with John Hancock, Super Clicker John Hancock, on Not So Calm Podcast, but we spoke about the state of retro game collecting for a chunk of that, including where we are with retro gaming stores. And he, he in his own estimate, said in five to ten years, independent of this article, a lot of these retro game stores are going to be gone. And I do not disagree. Uh, we've gotten a, a huge influx of them in the past probably five, six years. And in terms of prices, we have reached a peak. Uh, and at least for NES. I'm not sure about other ones, but I looked them up on the spot talking to him. We've reached sort of the peak, I think, in terms of what you can get on a lot of these uh, common or even slightly uncommon games. Uh, we looked up a game like Contra, where in the peak, the peak was forty-eight dollars on price charting summer of last year. Now it's a thirty-dollar game, twenty-eight-dollar game. Um, I uh, think you're we we to pull back the curtain again. We talked about this a little bit. I think you're right on NES. I don't think you're right on other systems. But we're going to get to the end of what's a retro uh, what's a retro game. We are not going to have people going out and buying PS3 games in 20 years to know what they're doing with NES Super Nintendo. You're not going to see that happening for a variety of reasons I won't get into. I think you're speculating too much on that. Okay. I'll make that bet that you're not going to have a bunch of PS3 collectors. The same way you're not seeing a huge amount of PS2 collectors right now. And you're not going to see many people going out and trying to get a full PS1 set. You're just not going to see it. It's going to be uh, subsets, I think, for collecting each system. But you're not going to have the general interest as it is for the cartridge-based system. In general. When I started at Luna, I never thought I'd see people scrambling for GameCube games. Sure. Are they getting every single one? How many are doing that? When is that going to dissipate? But it's but this is the you point. don't need every single. But that's the thing. Lots of people are leaving behind full set collecting. I'm still generating money hand over fist on GameCube games. Here's the point: you're in an area. You're the king of retro games in Southern California. What if you are and your digital press in Clifton, New Jersey, and, and they said, got right? This is what I thought you were talking about. Over the past three three years. He's seen five retro game stores open within 30 minutes of him. Here's the pro- but here, here's the good news for Digital Press, and here's the bad news for the other guys. Yes. Digital Press opened a long time ago. Yes. Digital Press has the rotating stock. Yes. Digital Press the has, reputation. has the reputation. Mm-hmm. Just like Luna Video Games, we opened when it was cheap, when it, Which, when, when, when it was financially viable to do it. Digital Press is well into turning a profit. Luna's well into turning a profit. Which is why you got overly defensive when I talked about all these game stores that may not be around because you're, you're in a lucky spot. There's a lot of locations oh, no. now where there are multiple retro game stores that are competing against each other, and there's not only not going to be enough stock in the future to, to sure. run those stores, not enough profit to go around, but not enough interest in general oh, no, in retro gaming. Don't take it as defensive. This is no, no. passionate. It just there's there's a there's a huge difference, and we've talked about this on the podcast before too. People who are opening retro game stores now, uphill battle to begin it's, with. It's a huge uphill battle. By the time they could conceivably start turning a profit, they're... You always said, if you had a store right now, you need a huge fucking collection. You need and, to you like, ne- and you need you a to, huge amount of money you need to a, burn. Money to burn to keep flow until you, you start rotating, but also you got to be like a huge fucking collector. Like if, like, like if I wanted to get into it, I'd have a shop because I have a huge amount of inventory I can at least start with. And then hopefully have people come in gradually and gradually. And you need five years 
of patience to make a profit. You think so at this point? Like, yes. Even if you're in a not semi-competitive area, you, you need a, a bunch of time. If you're in a non-semi-competitive, if you're in a non-competitive area, th- at least three. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's. I guess that's my thing. I don't. I don't think a place like Digital Press has to worry because they'll stay, stick around. And I don't wish ill will on the the, the game stores that open around them. Oh but no, no, those places are going to close. Yes, that's Digital the Press will stay. And open. that's when I say the majority will close. The majority will close because the majority okay. opened in the past five years. Right, the I, vast majority. I get that. To open a uh, to open a retro game store now, you need a time machine. Yes. Again, for the reasons we've all spoke about there. So this is a great article. Check it out on uh, Polygon. Who, who it, wrote this? It's a, uh, once again, that was Matt Leone. Matt um, Leone. And it's a, it's a uh, kudos to you, dude. This is a, lot a, of, this is a fantastic uh, article. A lot of research here. As a matter of fact, I need to tell him it's a fantastic article. He's at Lat Meone's. It's opposite. Uh, talk about hidden costs. The store breakdown costs we talked about from good old Jonathan Sakura, who, who I'll probably see at, at Game on Expo. And, you know... There's a lot. There's a lot going on now with, with interest in physical media. Whether it's going to die out, whether collecting's going to die out. But yeah, listen to that. Listen to that not so common podcast with me and John Hancock, which because we actually talk about some of these issues with that there. How are we? Are, is this like uh, World War One, World War Two, where like you walk into towns and you don't see where, where are the young men? Are they all gone off to war? Is this a lost generation in the fifties, which is what they said after World War Two? But are we losing a whole generation of young men to video games? According to the New York Post writer, Kyle Smith, we are. So Kyle Smith, uh, he and I have a lot in common. Uh, We were both addicted to a game called Civilization. And he so eloquently speaks about how when you're playing Civilization, you know, you start with the society, you build granaries, uh, you, you build roads and weapons, and then you're in control of all these little digital people, digital society. Uh, that's there, but then he was discovering he was addicted to it because in Civilization, it, what it's, is it? Because it's it's just one more turn, just just one more turn, just one more fucking turn, and you keep going and going because it is fascinating to play some of these games. And then he was waking up at seven a.m. in the morning. I, Civilization two consumed the whole summer of my life. I, I think it was like summer in ninety five or ninety six, whenever it came out. It was fantastic. Um, so he was doing this more and more, and he was and he he said he was a you know, he said, if you asked me at any point in my relationship to civilization, whether I was happy, I would have said no. I was ecstatic. I was euphoric, making simulated granaries, building simulated roads, firing simulated cannon. These were my obsessions. And then he realized how much time he was wasting uh, doing that. So the premise of the article is that video games are now a substitute for having an actual life, actually experience things, actually going out and being, I guess, in his words, living a fulfilling uh, life. He talks about video game addiction. Um, and a lot of this stuff, I see where he's coming from. I really do. Because I'd say I was there at some point. I've seen other people there at the point. You're there now with Fire Pro Wrestling. I'm lost, uh, <laughs> I'm lost in the squared circle. You're lost in the squared circle. So you got to be careful and check out the article. I'll link to it. I'm not, I'm not going to kill the guy entirely. But I, I think... Correlation without causation. He, he's trying to look at, like... Uh, Numbers of people, like, we have, for example, men aged 21 to 30 working 12% fewer hours in 2015 than in two, the year 2000. In the year 2000. He said those working hours are have largely been replaced by gaming, and fully 35% of young men now live with their parents or other close relatives, up from 23% in 2000. Their unemployment rate jumped by 10%. See, for example, in the year 2000, we were still in the tech boom. 
Right. We had an awesome stock market built on companies that should not have had their stocks to that level. Hiring people like Pets.com and you know what I mean? Like it was, it was. Oh, well, stock prices and companies valuations are going to go up forever. And guess what? It was bullshit. The economy was great in the year 2000, but just a year later in 2001, it plummeted. By 2002, it was awful. Right. I couldn't get an interview for six months after I graduated. So yes, of course, employment between of young men was better in 2000 than 2015. Absolutely. But to try to link that to us just playing video games, I think it's a it's, it's a false, like you said, it's, it's not a, a false causation, it's a false correlation to even try to do that. People dropping out of the workforce, he says, and becoming PlayStation's willing slaves. Hyperbolic, but it's like, alright, if I can't find a job, what's the difference if I play PlayStation or watch Netflix? Or go out and do something outside my house and go out and get ripped or uh, do yoga or become a surfer. So he's trying to make an argument dropping in playing video games where you can drop in a variety of activities. Yeah. You can waste your time doing a lot of things. Now, will I agree that there are people that probably spend their lives playing too much video games? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's a far cry from saying we've lost a whole generation of young men to video games. We like, haven't. all of them. Because not everyone, first of all, not everyone plays video games, but there's also people that play it in moderation and do things in moderation and aren't just spending entire summers of their lives playing video games. So we have to, I think, be careful when we when we do articles like this. Um, because he's, he's thinking that people are, because of the draw of video games, are basically not doing anything else with their lives versus people not doing anything else with their lives because there hasn't been anything available for them to either work or nothing of interest. Yeah, I. Sorry, I'm. You're hiving out. I'm hiving while out. monologuing. Yeah, I'm hiving out. Um, no, I, I that and that and that was my take on it too. You, you, video games is an easy, easy scapegoat. Oh, sure. Um, and it was rock and roll in the fifties. You know, like. You, any generation, like D and D in the eighties, early eighties, were like, "Oh, this is demonic," and kids are lost to it. And, and, and video games, when, when the video games were on the rise in the eighties and probably early nineties, you probably had some similar alarmist sort of thoughts about. No, this. we totally did. You can yeah. go back and find articles about how we're losing teenagers to arcades. Sure. So, um, yes, I mean, we are seeing a resurgence. And the thing is, I think as video games become more mainstream. It, it it's just it, it it's something that's more in the public eye, but I, that does not mean we are losing generations of people. Also, we're not losing generations of, of men. I mean, more people in general are just becoming, uh, you know, interested in them. We're losing generations of grandmas on buses playing Candy Crush. We now have fucking Mario Lopez doing a Candy Crush fucking game show on ABC. Is he really? I just found out about that like three days ago. He still looks like he's twenty years old. Mario Lopez is amazing. Um, he, he looks like he's made out of hot dogs. <laughs> what? Is that, what does that mean, Ian? He's tasty. You want to lick him? No. What is that? <laughs> no. It looks like he's made out of fucking processed meat. <laughs> so he said. Oh, he's trying to compare. Like he said, for example, in this article, heroin, heroin addicts are happy too, as long as they're high. What, what long term effects do they face? Do, he's trying to say that if you play, you're addicted to video games. It's as, it's as bad as being addicted to heroin. If you're addicted to video games, that's not good. But I'd rather be addicted to video games than heroin. Because one's going to kill me, and the other one probably won't directly. Um, and he starts talking about, he gets into, like, uh, being the opposite sex, being attracted to you, uh, dissatisfaction, 
if, if in your life and love life if you if you play a lot of video games and it's like well if you do a lot of anything you're gonna it, it's not let video games cause you all of a sudden to have a drop in your sex life or talking to other people this it, is a this is this is a blatantly sexist article as well i i would you I think would. so why why is that because it's focusing on men yeah I, I, well and, and, and quite frankly, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's just put it this way: uh, video games at one point in time led to an increase in my sex life. So, oh I mean, well, that's anecdotal evidence, and never with me. Oh, so but, but, I'm just, but I'm just saying it's a bullshit article all around. Well, it, it's trying to make points. He, he saw himself. I'll, I'll be the. I'll be, I'm with him on some of this, where it's like you can lose your li- li- life to video games. You can lose your, but yes, you can lose your life to anything. Sure. There is addictive quality to some video games, like Civilization, The yes. Sims. We've talked about this. I, I agree. Some video games are highly addictive. Uh, World of Warcraft, something that's highly more addictive, and you do have to be careful with that. There's a reason why I won't play the new Civilization game. I am afraid I will get addicted to that game. It is very, very good. Uh, when I started playing The Sims in college when it first came out, I had to stop because I was playing it for two days straight, and I'm like, I did say, what the fuck am I doing? I had to say that. I'm simulating someone's life. This is insane. I, I had to do that, or else I could have played it for you know, I, days. I've on never end. played The Sims for that reason. Just like I never played. I've. I, people don't believe me. I've never once loaded up World of Warcraft for that sure. reason. I've never once so, loaded up Sims for that reason. He's trying to make a point that you can lose touch with reality and people if you are addicted to video games, and that is true. If you're addicted to anything, by video games, you are shut in in general if you're playing a video game. So, yes, moderation, but I think this author went off the deep end in trying to make the point okay. that he was trying to make. Sure. We haven't talked about this in a while, Ian. We have not spoken about GameStop's retro game record in terms of what they're mailing out the people from their website with their initiative. We, we had a good run for a while. When you were off the podcast for those four or five months, I, I had about two or three good topics, but it sort of died down because how many times can you go through the same thing? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had something in your life come up. I get email stuff, so we're going to talk about one of them. This is from Chris. I believe he posted this on Reddit as well, but he emailed me. Hey, Pat. First, let me start by saying I'm a diehard New York Rangers fan, too. There you go. Please keep talking about New York Rangers hockey in the podcast. Okay, I never do that, but I'll bring them up every once in a while. Go Leafs! Go. <laughs> uh, okay, he wanted to discuss this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he ordered from GameStop's website recently, Captain America, which is fine, and Wayne's World, which had an issue for the NES. Wayne's World's a rare game. Uh, when I first unpacked the Wayne's World cartridge, I noticed that the label was super glossy photo paper, which made me nervous. <laughs> I know this is a late release game on the console, and I've never seen it before, so I gave it a chance. Then I noticed at the bottom of the label, it actually says reproduction label on it. So, so it, I was super it, pissed to see this. <laughs> I went to boot the cart in my NES, and on, on top of the label issue, the cart is NES play action football. <laughs> Not only did their crack team at Quality Control that miss the reproduction <laughs> label, they never even powered up the cart, which I find very strange on a $0.99 cent item, which is $100. It failed Quality Control at the store uh, that it was traded in at as well at their warehouse and distribution center. I contacted GameStop support on their website over two days ago. I haven't heard a response. I know that they can just take it back. I can pick, take it back to a retail shop and get my money back by wanting to make sure they don't try to resell this card again. Well, can't guarantee that based on a Chrono Trigger in the past. Love the podcast. Thanks for entertainment. Chris. Can I just point out something? Sure. You're like uh, 99, uh, uh, $99.99 items, and then you went, which is 100 Did we just get a little Pat math? I don't think that was Pat math because I didn't add anything together. But, but, but you rounded up. 
They teach how to round up in in math class. And, and Pat Pat Maskell. I think that I think that's a little Pat Maskell. Okay, it counts as Pat. Maskell. All right. So okay. The, there's there's tons of issues here. When you first look at the label, the colors are extremely wrong. Yes. The contrast is up to a thousand yeah. on it, right? They're not... It's a pretty dull label, if I recall correctly. Like the Can I reach it dollar. from here? I can't reach it. WXY, I can't reach Don't it. Don't worry about it. Um, it says reproduction label. Um, which is... That's like the fourth time I've heard of that happening. Uh, my friend Lincoln got a DuckTales 2, which very also very clearly said reproduction label on the bottom. They didn't power it up obviously, um, to try it. When you look at the actual end label, it just looks, it looks, you can see the X-Acto knife mark. Like you can see it's like jagged a little bit on mm-hmm. the left, on the facing you. It, it's a terrible situation. Um, and, and not to go back to repro labels every time, but this isn't someone that said, oh, I'm just making, uh, I, I just want a better label for my NES play action football. This is someone saying, I want to fuck someone over. Mm-hmm. And whether or not I think I'm fucking GameStop over, someone else now got fucked over. That's how to get their money back. Yep. But what if, but what if, Ian, what if, you know, they actually just did this on, you know, got an AliExpress cart, and then the person that bought it said, oh, I bought a rare game. I had no idea. Then they're totally screwed. Like, thank God it was an NES play action football, and thank God it's a reproduction label, because some of these reproduction labels don't say that on them. What would happen, Ian? <laughs> Are we just? Are we just? We should just go back into our. We, you know, we, we're just collectors, so it doesn't matter what we say. We just care about the, maintaining the value of our games. What yeah. people say on, on, online. We're just assholes. We're just assholes because we care about other people getting fucked over. So we're the assholes. We're the. We assholes. are the assholes here. Oh, by the way, apparently we just told people to throw cartridges. Yes, apparently. You know what? <laughs> that was my favorite. So I guess I, 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 loved, I, lo- I loved that extrapolation. So because we don't like, or we think that. You know, I, for example, if I don't... I, by the way, I own games with crappy labels, by the way. Lots of them. Most of my games were crappy labels. So in their world, if you don't have a label with a crap... If you have a label with a crappy... That's crappy, a game with a crappy label, it's worthless to them. It's not to us, by the way. No. Because to us, some people will like it like Ian. I'll play some of... Some of my Super Nintendo labels are awful. My Mega Man X2 and 3 are probably not the best. But you can always, Ian... You know, you can sell the game with a crappy label mm-hmm. besides getting a counterfeit label to put on it. And some people don't care. You'll get most of your money back or even all of it. You can give it to someone. You can trade it. There, It's not like when you get a game with a crappy label. It's either replace it with a counterfeit label or or you throw it out. Those aren't the two options. I don't know how that became the two well, options. No, that, 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 that wasn't also... It. They, they also said when we said to buy another copy with a better label, they automatically assumed that we, we were throwing, that we were the, game throwing the game away. No. Every time I have did a what I call label upgrade, I have not... Th- have I ever thrown a game out? Have you ever seen me thrown a video game? All the time. Yeah, all the time. So I just got a... Wa- Pat, Pat actually has trash... Recycling and then NES and, games. And NES, games. NES, <laughs> NES label upgrades. So I just, for example, got a new uh, Wampum. Uh, the, the label's pretty bad, or it's not thrown out. It's in a box that I will bring to a convention and sell that yeah. game and give a discount on just to sell it. And someone will buy it, not give a shit because the game works and play it. That's like I'm I- sorry I had to spell this out to some people that I am not throwing out games with bad labels. Nor do we condone that practice. Actually, no, this is all a lie. What Pat actually <laughs> does at his pa- uh, panels now is just take all of the games with bad labels and light them on fire. I pull a Gallagher. I have a big rubber mallet <laughs> and I just smash all my games with bad labels. Oh, Gallagher's That's what a I horrible do. person. Anyway, right. uh, onwards. So, Ian, we have a scumbag. A scumbag. We do. So we do. Of the week. Of the week. Of the week. 
Wait, wait. Ian, what are they selling? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, oh boy. This, this is just wrong on so many oh, levels. We have a nice Nintendo NES Classic nice. system. A nice Nintendo NES Classic system, a portable USB drive with two controllers, Zelda. Oh, that's what it says? With two controllers, Zelda. Zelda. That is what we are buying. Or selling. That's what they're selling. We're not buying. Uh, the seller is Aperture underscore Tech. We'll get into that in a minute. So, uh, the image is for the NES Classic USB drive with two controllers plus 90 games. Okay. That's cool. Um, and here's what you're getting. Up for sale is a complete classic NES emulator package for Windows, PCs, slash laptops. What's included? USB memory stick with two Nintendo NES emulators. One basic, one advanced. Over 200 games included. Wait a second, I thought we were only getting 90. Okay. Um, complete list below. All the games from the NES Classic Mini are included. Two USB gamepads with NES Classic controller setups. Mm-hmm. Simple instructions on how to use. Why buy the NES Classic machine that is being scalped on eBay for over 200 when you can use this USB key and play the games direct from... A key! Any- key. <clears throat> uh, direct from any Windows laptop, HTPC, or desktop. Your kids can play the games on a laptop while you drive. You can't do that with the regular system. (laughs) Hook your computer directly up to your TV for the same big screen experience as the NES Classic. (laughs) Additional components available in these auctions. 10-foot USB extension cord, 395. All right. Here we go. This is this is the fun. Okay. Common questions. Aren't emulators illegal? No, emulators are not illegal. Do you know what's illegal though, Ian? ROMs. But selling selling ROMs in particular, and selling selling emulators emulators that are open source usually. Yeah. That so that's illegal. That's illegal. What about ROMs? Are the game files illegal? The law can vary from state to state. However, this is a gray area which many (laughs) feel. Many. Uh, if uh, c- could you source many, please? <laughs> Which many feel was covered under the Fair Use Act. No, okay, stop, stop. stop. I'm ring a bell. Stop. Just done. There's not emulation laws that vary state to state. No. There are federal encompassing laws for copyright, and it's not a gray area. Okay. Uh, the, the the whole backup clause destroyed ages ago. And we and we emulate. And I've I've used ROMs. Yeah. But I'm just saying we can't claim it's something that it's not. Yeah. Having multiple copies of something you purchase can be considered fair use, similar to when you purchase a music CD and make a copy on cassette or MP3 to play in your car. No, that's not how it works with games. Recording um, copyright NFL broadcast this is on cute. your TiVo system is considered fair use, hasn't it? This is so cute. I, I don't own all the games that are on your USB drive. What about that? Just delete the ROMs of any games you don't <laughs> own. Oh, my God. Uh, how compatible is this with my... Fuck that. Um, how, whatever. Um, let's. What kind of warranty do you offer? This system should work. Whatever games included. You missed out on this. Oh, sorry. Remember, I'm not selling you the ROMs. You know he is. You already own the physical games. What? If a game you own is not on the, this list, contact me. And I'll see if I can include it. How easy is this to install? As easy as one, two, three. Technically, you don't even need to install it. You can just run it directly. Yes, because there are emulators. They exist out there, and you can just download them yourself and run them. I'm just, I mean, okay, so anyways, this is all bullshit, but my favorite part of this is not only is this illegal, but they call themselves Aperture Technology, 
and they are they straight up stole the Aperture Science and Technology logo to use for their bullshit business from Valve. They they stole it from Portal. It's it's the Aperture Science and Technology well, logo from Portal. So, so they've so, stolen they've stolen games. They copyrighted infringers stealing games and selling them. Now they're stealing artwork from a game and basically intellectual property that, that a game came up with on yeah. top of that. So, um, please fuck these guys into oblivion. Well, I, I won't go be as graphic as Ian is, but just report this item as being false. But, unfortunately, there's 26 people that bought this item. They bought a fucking thumb drive of ROMs and emulators that they could have downloaded in about three and a half seconds. There's something to be said for convenience, I guess. But you do get at least two uh, USB controllers that'll probably fall apart in about a week, uh, you know, week and a half. Yeah, they're probably the ones that don't even have the center pivot on the D-pad. So uh, enjoy go, uh, ducking when you try to go right. Ian's <laughs> just giving you more more mirth uh, there. All right, what do we got next here? Patron. Uh, first, we'll do we'll do the one Q and A. We'll do Q and A time on the CU podcast. We got one question. And by the way, some of the uh, Q and As end up being topics. If you think we're not doing Q&A anymore, we kind of still are. Um, this is at Insert Coin News. Hey, Pat, why is grading comics okay, but video games is not? Do you want me to take this first? Or yes. Not? Okay. So there's a, there's a big reason why. There's, there is a huge buying and selling market for comic books, for comics that go back 80 years at this point almost. Um, these, are, these are games that um, vary. What's the comics? I said comics? You said games. All right. Yeah, yeah. Comics have been, have been bought and sold uh in a large, uh, um, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars for like at least 30 years now. It's not back to the 70s. They were going over $1,000 even back then, some of them. And the quality and condition of a comic can range drastically from something with a half a ripped off uh, cover, torn pages, yellow, brittle pages because it's been taken care of. There's lots of pieces to a comic book uh, that really. Staples roll rolling on the spine. Things uh, that stress marks that really <laughs> define, in particular, how to grade a comic from a zero point five poor to a ten, which is you know gem mint or basically brand new. And so the price of, of your comic will swing uh, just violently back and forth depending. If I just put a, a crease on the cover, it can drop two points right there. You know, from an eight to a six. You know, like the, and this is a big deal when you're buying and selling comics worth thousands of dollars. So they had to come up with a system a universal system in order to make sure that when I'm buying a comic book, not only is that comic book, uh, you know, in the condition that it should be, that it's also, there hasn't been any, any, any sort of uh, restoration done to it at the same time because restoring a comic book brings the price down to, in theory, what that comic would be without the restoration or even lower. So it's a very mature market. So why is that okay with video games is not? Because when you, because when you are grading a video game, first of all, you're not grading the video game. You're grading... The box and seal quality of the video game. When you grade a comic book, they go through every page and look at it. They make sure whether or not there's been any work done on the on the comic book, whether or not it's authentic, uh, whether or not there are any, any what they call color touch up, uh, restapling, pressing, sealing, replacing pieces. When they get a, a video game that's sealed, oh, is this seal real? We think it is. Uh, what's the seal quality? Eighty five plus. All right, there you go. 
And it's always 85 plus. You're not or 80 or the fuck it is 75. You're not grading the the interior. You're not taking into account a game with a battery, a battery that may have leaked. Uh, you're not taking into account uh, potential damage to the circuit board. You have no idea what's on the inside. There's been reports, and this is I'm not reported to me by more than one source, including someone like John Hancock who knows about it. People have gotten games sealed that were resealed and and they weren't caught. Yes. So those are something that if, I, if they're grading comics from the 30s to the 70s and 80s, that you know they don't need to be concerned about that to begin with. But they are looking at ev- when you're grading a comic, you're looking at every single page. These are highly trained and experienced people, it and it's be- more than one company doing it. By the way, there's two or three that do it. There is one main one, but there's still multiple companies that have done it. The, the grading of, of, of video games right now would be like if you graded a comic and simply looked at the front and the back of it. Yes, and then you still got it wrong. There's yeah. a potential. And plus, we, it's in a Pandora's box because we don't know who these experts are. We don't know where they come from. It, we don't know like, who's training them. We don't know what the training is. We don't know what the difference is between an 80 and an 85 and a 75. It's too young. It's too young. And it's run by people that probably shouldn't, I hate to say, shouldn't be in charge of it. Because it's not people that are necessarily come from being experts in the field to begin with. Uh, that's the big difference. The other big difference is this. The other big difference is there are people that get comics graded, yes, to resell them and to protect them but that's that's to me not why the impetus of it starting so when you are collecting these really really old comics I would love to have it uh, personally graded just because if it's sealed in that case nothing, it's airtight nothing's getting in there it's protected there's also really cool information about the game uh, about, excuse me, about, the, about the, the comic on top as well first besides appearances etc etc et they're very they're easily displayable they are more, I would say this, when graded comics at this point are a necessity among collectors. Because, really? because not just the value involved, because when you're dealing with, with those, those big ticket items, um, you want to be secure in knowing that. When it comes to sealed games, if I see a sealed game that looks pretty damn good, I don't give a shit if that's an 80 or 85, me personally. I don't see there being that big a difference in value, and there's no really established difference at this point. That's the that's the big key right there. And plus, I would venture to say that without the comic speculation, uh, excuse me, with, I'm confusing comic games, without the game speculation market for the sealed games, the grading wouldn't have existed in the first place. It, it didn't exist from the problem existing. They created it. They tried to create a need for it. Right. That's the difference. Exactly. That makes sense. Yes. All right, Ian. It's time once again for the Patreon. Q and A. We hear voices and stuff. What was that? Oh. <laughs> I tried to say something, <laughs> but there was a frog so, in my throat. Go to patreon.com slash cu podcast if you want to be able to leave us a nice voicemail message, ask us a question. You can ask about why why Ian's wearing a blood shirt. Blood shirt? A blood sport shirt. It's so hot in here. Uh, so here's the first question. Hi, me and how goes your weekend so far? Good? I hope so. Anyway, I hope you have a good 4th of July coming up. And speaking of which, my question is about the most American man we know right now, Frank. <laughs> How did you meet him, Pat? And what were your first thoughts on him? That includes you too, Ian. Anyway, have a nice day. Oh, by the way, it's Ty, by the way. We've talked before. See ya. All right, Ty. I know Ty. Ty's a good guy. Ian, how did you meet Frank, and what did you think of him? As I avoid it. How the fuck did I meet Frank? Do you, you don't remember? No. It must have been 2009. Yeah. Was it that early after I moved here? It was, it, was, it was real early after you moved here. Did you come over and have like... 
No, I, I think I, I think it was. Uh, I think we all went to South Beach for fish tacos. That seems like the most. Oh, well, you used to pretend to be my friend and go out to dinner with me. Oh, shut out. up! I've been inviting you over lately. Lately, uh, ah, there it is. Lately, lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I think it was uh, South Beach, and uh, probably got the Nacho Supreme. We, yeah, now I'm remembering it. Oh. Yeah, we probably got the Nacho Supreme. I uh, found out that he enjoyed uh, Anchor Steam uh, because I like Anchor Steam beer as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we talked beer, we talked a little bit of music, we realized we did not, uh, share very similar music tastes. They have a very public, now public feud about the Beatles, I think. Yeah, very public feud about the Beatles. Um, but no, I, I hit it off with Frank, uh, very, very quickly. Uh, we also share some other hobbies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like Frank dearly. Uh, Frank and I get along great and, Yeah, we'll see him often enough. Uh, no, I don't see Frank often. It'll enough. see me often enough, to be I, honest. I, no, I don't. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I do love Frank, and Frank is a very American man. So, what was the other part of the question? How did I meet him? I don't know. Next question. <laughs> hi there, Pat, and hi there, Ian. Uh, this is Karen. Hey. The Steam Summer Sale happened recently, and I, again, bought a bunch of good games since the prices are so low, but you know... I will never have the time to play any of these because I'm busy doing other things. Yet everyone on Steam does this, and it's uh, kind of traditional, it's practically a meme, but I wonder, are these seasonal low-price but high-volume sales good for PC gaming, and are they a sufficient replacement for the used game market? And could a model like that ever actually work for consoles? Thanks, Karen. Karen... Karen was a contributor to a certain NES guidebook. <laughs> I knew that was she coming. Was. So, so her her question was the Steam sale, um, and would something like that potentially could could something like that take the place of like the used game market on consoles? She also asked if that's if that's good for gaming in general, having these big giant sales. Um, yeah, I, I think it can be um, because, well, I can only speak for myself. When a big game like Civ Six comes out, I'm not waiting for it to go on sale. I'm buying Civ Six. Um, Fire Pro came out on early access, twenty bucks. Uh, that price may go up when it's not on early access. I'm not waiting. I'm buying it because I've been looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But when these big sales happen, it allows you to test out these games that you might not normally buy. It introduces you to new developers. It gets you into things that you then may go and buy for full price when the next games come out. Sure. Um, and even if you never play them, well, you're still tossing some change to these developers. Um, it's not good for your wallet if you don't play it. Though. It's not good for your wallet. <laughs> but, but, but it, good for the PC but, gaming economy. But, but, it, but is it bad for the gaming economy? No, not necessarily. Um could something like this work for consoles? I think it already is. Uh, especially, I, I I don't know so much about uh, the 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 Xbox, but PlayStation has done uh, really well with flash sales, and it has got me to buy digital copies of games um, at lower than I think used prices that I normally would not have. Um, that I've then been able to try out when when. When the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 first started to put digital games up on um, 
the marketplace. And I think we were doing the podcast then, and you and I were like, this is ridiculous. Who's going to spend fifty nine ninety nine on a digital copy of this game uh, when you can go get a physical one? Well, I think people do that now, but these these games go on sale very quickly now um and that makes it worthwhile um and then you know you can get a copy of Witcher 3 now you know it was on sale for like 20 bucks with all the bonus content um you can get these indie games now for like 5 bucks instead of 25 bucks when these flash sales happen uh, i i do think consoles are slowly adopting um this sort of steam sale mentality and uh, I, I i do think it's 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 going to to work for them um and i do i, I it, it is sort of analogous to to uh used games it, it it's it's the, the it, it's it's a sale in a way but really it's a way for you to grab a copy of a game at a used game price sure it's kind of more like costco you're buying stuff maybe you don't need it but hey they got your money you might use that giant mustard a year or two from now <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. Uh, this is Sean Runs, uh, a.k.a. Sean Bird. I'm a patron from Albany, New York. And uh, so my question is, if you could play uh, any prototype, uh, what would it be? Personally, I'm intrigued by something uh, more prototype because it seems like it could maybe be a lot different. But So uh, that's my question. Either way, thanks for considering uh, the question, and uh, have a great Independence Day, guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Sean. As you tell these questions, we're a couple of weeks old. We're trying to get to him now and catch up. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't make out his phone call of what exact prototype he, was, he wanted to play, but it's basically his question about if you can play any prototype, would you be interested in playing any game and seeing how it was before, I guess, to finalize a product? <sighs> That's a cool question, but not one that I can answer, like, off the top of my head. Um. Uh, well, I, I always wanted to just check out the Top Secret Episode 1, just because... They kept they kept a lot of the the, um, the World War Two Nazi stuff in there. Um, that was interesting um, because one piece actually made it into the end of the NES game. Like on the book, you can see it, uh, the swastika, and so it went from Gogo Thirteen hunting down basically the Third Reich that survived to this really weird just evil empire thing. Right. So it was like the same thing with like Bionic Commando where they sort of just changed it up. So I thought that would have been interesting. Plus you had boobies in it. And then right. I figured well. that's where you were going. Uh, so that one would be interesting just for that. Otherwise the game would have played though exactly the same. I'm trying to think if there'd be a game I love would love to have seen if they changed the gameplay drastically from the start to the end or if it went in a totally different direction. But not really. It usually doesn't usually happen as much. Yeah. I, I can't think of much. Um, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe you know, playing uh, you know, before it was what was it? It was Auto before Miss Pac-Man with the little running legs. I don't think I ever played that one. Did you ever play that no, version of that? That would have been kind of neat. That would have been cute. Uh, so thanks for the questions there. Uh, if you want to ask the question, the future at CU Podcast Patreon Patreon dot com slash CU Podcast. I fucked it up last week. You fucked it up this week. You're you're you're, you're becoming contagious. Not just your hives. It's it's how you're doing it. So um, that's it for this podcast. By the way, whoa! The theme from the CU podcast is now on iTunes. I Check love it that out. That's the name of it. <laughs> so, support CFOs. Those those wacky WWE theme guys. The uh, we got some thumb downs on the YouTube version of it. I think people just jelly. Yep. Of the theme. Um, we have the Patreon. If you want to advertise with the podcast, it's podcast at thepunkeffect.com. Send that, an email there. 
Uh, we'll be at a video game con in New Jersey, uh, September 9th and 10th. We'll also be at Game On Expo in Arizona. That's August 11th. Yeah, let's not forget that. That's even that's even sooner. August 11th to 13th. Or you know, I did the announcement video without you. Uh, for this. So, um, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. We're going to enjoy uh, Comic Con. My, my app's out. You got my book, ultimatenes.com. So, for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contrary. We'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks. What was that supposed to be? Total recall, man. Really? Do you have any fruits and vegetables? Two weeks. I don't remember that. I gotta, Two weeks I gotta, before her fucking face peels apart. I gotta rewatch it. It's been Jesus so long. H. All right. All right. Get out of here. Yeah.